0: I'm Dhruv Kazi I'm a cardiologist at Beth Israel Deaconess Medical Center, where I run the Cardiac Critical Care Unit. I'm the Associate Director of the Smith Center for Outcomes Research at BIDMC, and I'm also a member of the Faculty of Medicine at Harvard Medical School. In this podcast, I'm going to be talking about our evaluation of the economics of scaling up a pharmacist-led blood pressure control program in black barbershops, a unique and effective way to improved blood pressure control among non-Hispanic Black men in the United States. So as we know, Black men have a disproportionate morbidity and mortality from hypertension, and this is a combination of a high prevalence of hypertension, poor rates of blood pressure control, and conditional and poorly controlled blood pressure having severe complications and target organ damage from high blood pressure. And so there have been increasing efforts to try and engage this high-risk subpopulation in novel forms of healthcare delivery to improve blood pressure control. And the late Dr. Ron Victor ran a series of very interesting experiments where he said, if we put pharmacists in black barbershops and used the black barbershop, which is a community center, a lot of these non-Hispanic black men have deep, trusting relationships with the barbershop and with the barber that is established over a long period of time, can we put a pharmacist in a barbershop and would that improve blood pressure control? Partly by bringing healthcare into a place of trust, but also by eliminating barriers to access so that if you need escalation of blood pressure medications, the pharmacist can do it right there in using a collaborative practice agreement with a local cardiologist. Can we reduce copays? Can we make it convenient for patients to both get their blood pressure checked and have their medications escalated if needed? And what the investigators found, again, led by Dr. Victor in a study in Dallas and then in a study in Los Angeles, was that this method of care delivery clearly works. They recruited 319 non-Hispanic black male patrons from 52 Los Angeles barbershops, randomized them to this intervention pharmacist-led blood pressure control program versus just a screening and referral program, and they found that the intervention group had a 21 millimeter greater reduction in systolic blood pressure at six months, and it was sustained over 12 months. So really impressive findings. And so that's where our group, based at the Smith Center at Beth Israel Deaconess and my senior collaborator, Dr. Kirsten Bivens domingo is based at the University of California, San Francisco, we set up to ask the question, What would the economics of this program look like if we were to scale it beyond Los Angeles, if we were to build a program that were accessible to non Hispanic black men nationwide. And we did this using a simulation model. So we have a nationally representative computer simulation model of all U.S. adults as they go through cardiovascular risk and then actually have their first cardiac event and then what happens to them after that. And we used an adapted version of that model to ask the question, what would this scaled up black barbershop program look like? And so we said, let's assume that we know that about 80% of non-Hispanic black men live in urban metropolitan areas where such a program would be feasible. And, and about half of these individuals have used black barbershops as the primary source of hair care. And so if we uh, assumed that we could recruit some percentage of these individuals into a pharmacist-led blood pressure control program, what would the effect be? And to cut through the chase, we found really impressive findings, which is that on an annual basis, We think about 800,000 non-Hispanic black men would be eligible and would enroll in this program if it were available. And on an annual basis, we'd avert about 1,300 cardiovascular deaths, 1,600 myocardial infarctions, and 5,000 strokes. So these are really impressive numbers on an annual basis. We would gain about 11,000 life years and about 13,000 life years if you adjust them for quality of life. So what we'd call qualities or quality adjusted life years. And collectively, this would result just in terms of the averted events and the savings that result from averted healthcare events would produce $870 million in savings a year. To clarify here, what we've done is we've added up the costs of blood pressure medications, but included all the savings from averted heart attacks and strokes. And then we moved on to the next question saying, okay, 870 million in savings is interesting. How much would a payer be willing to pay for a program? Again, the question we're trying to ask here is "How the pilot study in Los Angeles is great. How do we scale up? And so if we're going to scale up, we're going to need to understand the economics of this program at scale. And what we found is that a payer who wants to be cost-neutral would still be willing to pay about $600 per patient per year enrolled in this program. So a $600 payment would make the program cost-neutral. It would pay for itself. And then we went one step further and said, well, you know, when we look at new drugs, new interventions like, say, uh, anticoagulants or antiplatelet agents or even lipid-lowering agents, we don't ask them to be cost-neutral. We ask that they be value, high or intermediate value. And we define that as it costing about $100,000 for every quality adjusted life year gained. And so if we use that same metric for this blood pressure control program, we find that payers should be willing to pay about $2,100, so $2,100 per patient per year for this program. So to summarize the findings, This is a program that if scaled up nationally would potentially touch 800,000 lives, would result in $870 million of savings every year with about 11,000 life years gained for every year of the program. And a well-meaning payer should be willing to pay $600 for the program to be cost neutral and about $2,100 for the program to cost $100,000 per So. Those are the basic economics, and the next step will be to figure out how we take this to the next stage, which is going from the randomized trial to a an actual program that is implemented nationally. So these findings yield some interesting insights. We have a very patient-centered model of hypertension. A patient comes in to a cardiologist's office, and we see them, we measure their blood pressure, we decide whether we want to escalate therapy. We send them off and we schedule a return visit. This is another lens through which one can look at hypertension management, which is a population lens. What can we do to reach a population that is traditionally not engaged with blood pressure control, has poor rates of blood pressure control, has substantial morbidity and mortality, And it's not enough to say that, oh, great, this is a study where if you put a pharmacist in the barbershop, we can do this better. We have to figure out a way to scale this. And this might involve creating city or state level programs where regardless of your insurance, you can access a barbershop based program for blood pressure control. So that's one way of thinking about it. Because it's a program that has substantial health impact and maybe, you know, in Los Angeles when the pharmacists were doing this, it, they were driving a couple of hours each day back and forth to the stores. That's not doable. And so we're going to have to figure out whether they're doing tele-based visits or using community-based pharmacists who are already sitting at the Walgreens or some in the local neighborhood pharmacy. Can we use those pharmacists in the program? And if so, will the program still work? On the flip side, I'd like to emphasize that the implications for this program extend beyond hypertension management. Could we use this for heart failure? Could we use this for cancer screening? Moving some of the algorithmic processes that you and I engage with in terms of care, moving them into the field, into the community with a trusted local partner, removing barriers to care so that we can scale up the public health impact of things we do in clinic. The take home message from the study, therefore, is the idea that as we look toward improving population health, we're going to think of novel forms of healthcare delivery. It's not just about new gadgets or new medications that come into our clinic and into our hospitals, but rather how do we engage with the community? Do we create mechanisms so that community centers like barbershops, churches, public gardens are part of the health system an extension of the health system that engage patients and provide seamless care, uh, particularly for hard to reach populations. So we're gonna have to be open to novel forms of healthcare delivery. But even as we do this, it's not gonna be enough to say, does this mechanism work? We're going to have to figure out, does the mechanism work and is it cost-effective? Can we scale this in a way that is sustainable for a health system that is facing substantial demands on its resources? Thank you for listening today. For more information about our study, please click the links below.